on the balance sheet. And it's starting to create, in essence, negative equity. You're seeing a Federal Reserve that is leveraged right now at roughly 200 times equity, uh, where they have somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 35, I have the number somewhere right around 35 billion in equity versus I don't know how many trillion in line, nine trillion in liabilities. So it's about a 200 times leverage. And, you know, in essence, they're insolvent. So what this gold revaluation account would would enable the, the banks to do is become, make their balance sheets solvent um, by lifting up gold to a level that would, allow the balance sheets of all of these banks to be made whole. Now, if you think about it, what have we talked about? For the last few years, if you go back to any of the podcasts that I've done going back to 2020, really even further back than that, maybe 2018. Because in 2017, Mark, I've talked with you about, and your listeners, about how something very interesting happened out of the clear blue after six years of gold going down from 11 to 17 central banks selling it was an awful time 2017 was the worst time to be a, to to own a gold company but then something happened in 2017 that woke me up and from that day I have followed this progression and what happened that day was the German Bundesbank said to the West give me back our gold give us back our gold we want the gold that is being held by the New York Fed, and we want it back now. And and that was very unusual in a period of time where gold had been drifting downward for six years and the central banks were net sellers. Why is Germany asking for their gold back? Well, very quickly after that, the Netherlands, the, the, the Dutch National Bank, the Bank of Hungary, the Bank of Poland, the Bank of Turkey, the Bank of Austria, um, the Czech National Bank, they all said to the New York Fed and to the Bank of England, give us back our gold. Now we talked about the following year in 2018, those countries went on to purchase more gold as a group than they did in the 60 years previously combined and have been buying gold ever since. Now it's very obvious to me that these countries are assigning a much greater importance to gold as a reserve asset versus their fiat currencies. I want to read you some of the information that we've been seeing come out of these central banks recently. I'm going somewhere with this. In the words of the Polish central bank, central banks usually strive to diversify their gold storage locations to limit geopolitical risk, the consequence of which could be, for example, loss of access or limitation of the free disposal of gold reserves kept abroad. Storing gold on domestic soil is safer than abroad, but having some of it in trading hubs such as London allows gold to be used more easily for swaps and international settlement. According to the German Central Bank, their repatriation scheme had three objectives, cost, efficiency, security, and liquidity. Um, And when you look at what these banks are saying to the public right now, it says the following. Uh, In Poland, um, let's see, Poland has recently discussed that their gold bars adhere to London good delivery status. Now, this is a big deal because the U.S. bars do not. The U.S. bars, which haven't been audited since 1956, I believe, are an amalgamation of the gold that was confiscated in 1933, which was not pure gold because it was legal tender. So the bars that are being held supposedly at Fort Knox are not 24 karat. They do not meet London good delivery standards. But all of these banks, like 
the Bank of Poland and the Bank of France, which just said we are engaged in an ambitious program to upgrade the quality of our gold reserves. The target is to ensure that all of our bars comply with LBMA good market association standards so that they can be traded on the international market. In other words, the banks in Europe appear to be, in my opinion, much more prepared for a new gold standard than the U.S. does because most of the gold that the U.S. hold does not comply to prevailing industry standards. The rest of Europe is moving in that direction. Now, when you talk about what they're saying to the public, on the French Central Bank website, it says gold is the ultimate store of value uh, and it is the bedrock of stability in the international monetary system. It says gold is an excellent hedge against adversity. Another reason for holding a large position in gold is protection against high inflation since gold tends to keep its value over time. The Dutch National Bank on their website says a bar of gold always retains its value. It is the perfect piggy bank. It is the anchor of trust for the financial system. These are all just brand new posts that are coming up on the decentral bank websites. It's as if the system collapses. This is right out of the the Dutch National Bank. It's as if the system collapses. Gold stock can serve as a basis to build it up again. Think about this. These are central banks that issue their own currencies, and their only job is to really ensure economic stability and that they are openly telling us that gold is superior to their respective currencies as protection. Um, and they're recommending people own and own gold because it is an asset that is not issued by a government or a central bank. So it does not depend upon the issuer's solvency. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a situation where you can see not only are we seeing massive pull away from the West, but we're seeing all of these countries accumulate gold, repatriate gold and tell their citizens to buy gold. So, at least from a standpoint of BRICS, this is a situation that is continuing by the day to spin and spin faster and move away from the West. So if you have any questions, I'm happy to talk about that. I have a lot to talk about today, but that's just one of the topics that's near and dear to me because I can see it probably being the most significant development or set of developments that that this generation will ever go through. We must stay on top of what's happening with the BRICS nations because they are moving much faster than they ever have. And this group is growing and growing very strong. And all of the boxes are being checked from banking to international trade to energy to military. It's all being settled right in front of us. So I'll stop there for a second. Any questions with that? Uh, looking for a number of yeah, no, it's definitely past time for not it. I shared a uh, article, I think it was earlier this week, maybe into last week, on uh, on Fort Knox, and even on Twitter, asked for a poll: who thinks that the gold is actually there? Uh, our reassurance that it's there, uh, you know, Powell says, "Oh yeah, no, I, I looked, it's there," and we're supposed to trust that. Yeah, well, and that that's just it. It's it's not a good situation. The, it, there's no reason that this is supposed to be the people's gold that it hasn't been audited in in, you know, what? Almost 80 years, something's wrong there. Uh, we can talk about the Fed. Let's talk about the Fed for a few minutes. Everyone seems to fixate on the Fed and and you know, um 
about U.S. currency printed after I can't find any. I don't know exactly what he's yeah, talking about. Yeah, when you said that, it, it's, it's really hard to find a bill after 2017 for some reason, which they should be the most uh, common, but I can't Interesting. find it. I, I haven't heard that. I'll have to start paying attention to that. Well, look, you know, you have, when we talk about the Fed, we have a situation where We've had over two decades of, of brain damage monetary policy, as far as I'm concerned. And these higher borrowing costs are, are beginning to bring many of the absurd price distortions that we talked about for a long time. They're bringing them back into orbit. <laughs> and um, the, tre- the Fed has, has the problem with the Fed right now is that they have long term assets on their balance sheet, um, like treasuries and mortgage backed securities, all of these bonds that have been bought and and the mortgage-backed securities to suppress interest rates, to stabilize the real estate market, to incentivize speculation. These are all at low, low interest rates and they're very long maturity investments, 30 years, let's say. And those interest rates are maybe at two, two and a half percent on average. Yet their liabilities, when you talk about uh, things like bank deposits that they have to provide uh, interest against for the, for the big banks, are short term at four and five percent. So you have long term assets at two percent return versus short term liabilities at four or five and rates going higher, uh, not to mention all of the mortgage backed securities and U.S. treasuries that the Fed has purchased over the last decade are becoming are, are getting eviscerated as bond prices are are cratering as rates rise. And so you basically what you have right now is an eight and a half trillion dollar balance sheet against 35 billion. We were talking about a few minutes ago. That's 200 times leverage. They are in essence insolvent. And at the same time, you have their uh, Fed governors, in particular Bullard out of St. Louis, who just came out and said, well, rates have to go much higher, maybe as high as 7 percent or higher. Now, this is just the Fed talking. Let's forget about all of the things that could happen with bricks dumping the dollar. And Saudi Arabia is saying we're only going to take the new BRICS currency and watch interest rates go to the moon. It just appears to me that they are trying to blow up the whole system. And whether it emanate from here at home or from across the world, raising rates to these levels are going to blow everything up as the indebtedness in this country has never been higher. 45% of Americans who are earning over $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck, according to Reuters. 45% 45% of people earning over 100 G a year are living paycheck to paycheck. And this is a big problem in an interest rate rising environment. Um, and I think that the fi- financial consequences ahead for millions of Americans are who barely have enough cash to meet basic demands. It's starting to grow by the day. And this comes at a time when U.S. personal savings rate has dropped from 9.5% a year ago to 3.5% today. So as inflation is eating away at personal savings, uh, people have to spend more of their money just to pay for everyday goods and services. You're seeing talk of higher rates. You're seeing moving away from the dollar, which is going to create more inflation. Do you see these things all, all of them are related Right? And they're all starting to spin faster and faster and faster and faster. And I think that, you know, we we saw gold and silver really take off the other day. Why? Because what did the Fed chairman say? Well, we're going to have to slow down a little bit. We're going to pause. 
Well, that's the market's way of saying they're going to pivot and they're only going to raise by a half a basis point instead of uh, or, or 50 basis points rather than 75. As far as I'm concerned, um, what that will do is begin to start to reprice things. You're going to see residential real estate. Uh, you're going to see stocks. All of this stuff is going to begin to reprice as interest rates finally find their equilibrium within the economy. But we have a long way to go before asset prices start to really find fair value. I think a long way, but you're going to begin to see it here real soon. Uh, we can talk about gold and silver for a couple of minutes here. Um, gold put in recently a triple bottom and after a long downtrend, a triple bottom in, um, in uh, or a triple top in technical analysis is is a very strong signal and a triple bottom after a downtrend um, is especially if gold has broken through its 2020 April 2020 support which it did is is very bullish and I would argue that gold anticipates monetary policy now that the market believes a full pivot is coming with a 50 basis point rise instead of a 75, what you are seeing with gold strength today in the last few days is that is their way of, of saying, the market's way of saying the Fed is going to pivot. Um, but I don't think it's going to, um, uh, it's, it can't really pivot tremendously. It'll just slowly raise rates instead of throwing it at us 75 or 100 basis points every meeting, they still have a long way to go to try and slow down inflation because, you know, they're, they're saying inflation has come down because of the uh, lower energy costs, but they have pillaged the reserve supply of all of the, the strategic stockpile of oil. So as soon as they have to start to replenish that and stop uh, releasing it into the system to keep oil prices low, uh, you're going to see things start to spike up again. And I think that's typically the way you see inflation is in waves. It'll come down like it did in the 70s and then spike up again. Anyways, I think um, the the gold market is reacting to the Fed being out of choices. And um, this is a, a bad situation. It's either death by hyperinflation or death by depression. Uh, I guess the Fed is, is trying to figure that one out. Um, the, let's see here. One other thing I just wanted to talk about in particular was we had talked recently about the BRICS countries that have recently applied. Uh, and we had mentioned the United Arab Emirates, Nicaragua, Tr Turkey, Indonesia, Senegal, Nigeria, Afghanistan, Egypt, and Kazakhstan, and Saudi Arabia. But there's also this growing, uh, diverse, Geo, geopolitically, geophysically diverse BRICS plus uh, group that I'd like to just mention real quick. And I may have talked about this with you before, but I'm not sure. But I think it's important people understand that, you know, BRICS is Brazil, Russia, China, India, South Africa. Now this BRICS plus on top of the Shanghai uh, Corporation Organization, on top of all the countries that are in the Belt Road Initiative, remember all 13 OPEC producing countries are on top of all of these groups, listen to the countries that are now being targeted for BRICS+. Plus. We have Argentina, we have Nicaragua, we have Algeria, Egypt, Iran, talked about Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, they're joining. Nigeria, they're joining. Senegal, uh, Af uh, Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, 
we have uh, Indonesia, we have Thailand, we have um, all of these countries that are growing. Andy, but there's Iraq, more. Yes, Iraq announced last week that they have started Iraq is uh, too, uh, yes. initial uh, conversations with BRICS. Now think about this: China is building a road, a road between Iraq and Iran, and a railway, I believe. They are also trying to mend fences between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So you have uh, Shiite versus Sunni. You have century-old hatred that is coming together. Uh, And this is what I find to be, I find to be very interesting, that you have a situation where these countries are joining together against the West, even putting aside century-old rifts, I guess you could say. Uh, And and this is a big deal that that is being ignored by the West, that, you know, my enemy's enemy is my friend. That's exactly, I think, what we are seeing uh, with all of these countries joining together, where, you know, these countries would rather stand up against the West uh, and and do so uh, even even at the if it if it means putting aside you know century old issues between each other and when you see Iraq and Iran both going to join the BRICS this is a big indication when you see Iran and Saudi Arabia this is a very 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 big indication and you know they've talked about new countries that they want to invite to the BRICS including. Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Panama, Bolivia, Chile, Cuba, Ecuador, Peru, Uruguay, Venezuela, Azerbaijan, Mongolia, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and Vietnam. One of the things that I probably, if we did talk about this, um, well, this will be good for the people who didn't hear it. Of those countries that I've been mentioning, Listen to this. Gold holdings as a percentage of reserves, right? Venezuela, 82%. Uzbekistan, 65%. Kazakhstan, 63%. Bolivia, 55%. Belarus, 40%. Turkey, who bought more gold than anyone this year for the first seven months, 29%. Pakistan, 29%. Kyrgyzstan, 22%. And when you talk about the countries in the Shanghai or in the Shanghai Corporation Organization, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan, Russia, I can't even pronounce the damn thing, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Belarus, Cambodia, Kuwait, Maldives, Mongolia, Myanmar, Nepal, Saudi. Do you see this or am I the only one seeing this? I mean, everybody is coming to the table, everybody. And it's starting to speed up. And they're all joining this new union of countries. Uh, and the West is in big, big trouble. It's really important that people understand that when I talk about buying gold and silver, it is because of this. It is not to get rich. It is that if you are fully invested in dollars, you are doomed to go broke. You are doomed. And when these countries all flip the switch, and say, hey, we're all together. Um, we have all of these deals in place in energy, in commerce, in, in a united front against NATO. Um, it's going to be a very different world than the world that we all grew up in. Our children would be best served to learn Mandarin, in my opinion, 
right now because we are entering a world that is going to be dominated by the East because we are entering a world that is dominated or going to be dominated by commodities, not by debt instruments. And one of the things that I keep seeing is the largest centers of supply in the world are being bled dry quietly. We are being misdirected by price and rhetoric. People are just looking at a price and saying it doesn't make sense. It should be at all-time highs in this crazy world we live in with inflation and war and, and discontent politically and geopolitically. It should be at its all-time high. And you're right, it should be, but it's not because it's suppressed. But who's suppressing it? Well, I would argue the people that are suppressing it are exactly the ones that are draining the supply literally from the top on down at levels no one has ever seen. And people are going to wake up one morning on a Monday morning when the switch gets flipped. They're going to run to buy precious metals from a company like mine, and it will all be gone. We are being misdirected 100% because the biggest money in the world is betraying the rhetoric and betraying the suppression of price by literally draining the coffers of all of the available supply from the top on down. The LME, the COMEX, backdooring out of the ETFs. I keep saying the same thing, not because I'm a broken record, but because I started talking about this before anybody did, literally in 2018, 2019, when gold was reclassified tier one. The central banks repatriating their gold, going on massive gold buying sprees. And then it started to become very evident with the Belt Road Initiative and all of the countries joining and then BRICS and the Shanghai Corporation Organization. And you look at it, my God, it's 80 to 90 percent of the human population and they are all moving against the West. And when we sanctioned Russia, that was it. It was over. It's a sealed deal. This is going to happen when and how is yet to be determined. Do not be on the wrong side of history on this one. This is going to be a generational shift. And I hope I'm wrong, but I can tell you based upon what I see, and I watch this every day, I scour sites all across the globe every day trying to find more information. And just a little country like Ghana, who is now going to only accept or, 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 or buy oil with gold instead of U.S. dollars is just another piece in a puzzle that continues to say you need to de-dollarize, you need to be outside the Western system. And people who think they are diversified are not unless they get something that is non-dollar denominated. Ghana took it one step further, Andy. They are requiring all of their gold mining producing properties to sell 20% of their bullion yes. government, but at spot price yes. uh, every every month now. So, I mean, Ghana has suddenly really ramped that up. This is This is getting interesting. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people, that is the one issue people face with mining shares, right? If you're going to buy gold and silver mining companies where you can make an awful lot of money, you don't want to be in places where nationalization can happen. Now, that isn't quite nationalization, but it's one step closer to it, where these countries are going, you know, the government's going to say, hey, you know what, we're not going to sell this stuff any longer. This is um, what we need to be part of the next system. That's it. Doors closed and nationalization of assets happens and it will happen in this industry in terms of mining share companies and mining share interests where um, it's just going to become too important. I really do believe, as Zoltan Pozar said, we are entering Bretton Woods 3. This is going to be a new 
era dominated by commodities where you need real things, not debt instruments. And you can see that when you look at all of these countries who are applying for BRICS and BRICS Plus, look at their gold reserves as a percentage of their of their GDP or as a percentage of their reserves, rather, their gold holdings as a percentage of the reserves, anywhere from 22 to 82 percent. These are the countries that now are loading up on the world's only other tier one reserve asset to join a, a, a conglomerate of countries that are going to peg their new BRICS currency to commodities like the only other tier one reserve asset in the world, gold. And when that happens, bang! It's over in this country that fast. It will happen on a Sunday night. You'll have all of them arm in arm and Monday morning. If you are not in the life raft, you're going down with the boat. And I hate to speak this way. I truly do because I am an optimist. I mean, my parents were hippies. I grew up in an era of happiness. And I mean, I've owned gold for 30 years because it's been wealth to me, right? And um, it's wealth. It's money. I never bought it because the sky was falling. But for the last three years, all I see is the sky falling. And I, while it's very cathartic for me to talk to you, because I don't talk to people in my sphere where I live this way, because it's not a popular topic. Uh, when you talk about the sky falling, I hope I'm helping a few people because I, as God is my witness, I believe that this is happening and it's starting to speed up in a great way. And the actions of our administration is only incentivizing uh, and expediting the de-dollarization globally. And I think people are going to wake up and they're all going to be caught with their pants down in a very big way um, if you're not already positioned or are in a hurry to get it done right now, because it's really becoming evident that from the top down, everything's disappearing. Uh, yes, it is. No, it is getting obvious. We're just watching it. Also, your pivot on the Fed. We saw that first sign yesterday um, where they talked about going soft term, and you called that when you nailed it. And uh, we saw it play out yesterday, the market shoot up, and then the hangover this morning as they started unloading from all of that buying. It's uh, You got to hate being right because the uh, when you're right like this, uh, a lot of people around the world uh, are caught holding the bag. Well, you know, look at the mortgage-backed securities that they have. You know, they have $2 trillion plus in mortgage-backed securities that they haven't even really started to unload yet. And who would buy a mortgage? So for people who don't know what mortgage-backed securities are, when you take out a mortgage at the bank, the bank bundles them up and sells them to Wall Street as a mortgage-backed security, a bundled mortgage-backed security. So you buy a piece of an investment of 5,000 residential mortgages. Well, what happens when rates rise? As rates rise, you'll see a lot of defaults in mortgages. People can't afford it. Those on arms or variable, like an arm or a balloon, something like that, um, you'll see those start to fail. But the people who would buy those, so you know, those mortgages largely were low-rate mortgages that have been done over the last several years, right? And and by the Fed buying them, creating a, a demand for them and, and pushing rates even lower. Well, Right now, an investor could buy a one-year treasury at 4% rather than take a risky position in mortgage-backed securities as rates rise that will only become um, more speculative, more risky, more defaults. No one's going to want to buy them. And as the Fed starts to dump them, the, the, the um, uh, 
am I trying to say? The the effect this is going to have on the real estate market is going to be extraordinary. I think we are we will see um, the housing market really get clobbered here coming up as the as they start to dump mortgage backed securities as they start to to dump uh, as they call it quantitatively tighten uh, start to dump treasuries and as rates rise you're going to see the real estate market get clobbered and i think this is probably part of what they're trying to do i think they realize that the only way that they can really hurt inflation is to um, uh, hurt the real estate market and also create mass layoffs they don't want people working right because that's going to slow things down um, and we're a long ways away from that there's still way more open spots than there are uh, people working and I think the only way that they can do this is to really start to break the economy. And that's the only way they're going to get inflation under control uh, is to start to to break the economy. And I think that's what they're really trying to do. So um, this is the time to do what the biggest money in the world is doing and and start to protect yourself outside of traditional forms of investment. Absolutely. Now, we've seen this. They're trying to do a good cop, bad cop uh, measured implosion. Just like you uh, had mentioned, the, uh, the the one Fed branch presidents, you know, saying, "Hey, they got to go up considerably." Yeah, uh, but then you turn around, you've got Powell saying, "Hey, look, things are a little uh, more under control now. Maybe we can soften that approach." So they're literally playing good cop, bad cop with the market, so that they can slowly implode it, so that it's not one massive. I mean, it, right now they're hoping they can pull it off, pull off a uh, you know a controlled. Uh, implosion, destruction, like when they bring down a high rise, that's what they're hoping they can do. That is a dangerous game to play. No, they, they cannot. Now, I'm going to ask you a question since uh, I want to change the change the uh, the narrative here. What do you think um, Iraq joining the BRICS would do to the revaluation of the dinar? Have you thought about that? Considering one of the biggest reasons they haven't revalued has been their reliance on uh, U.S. and U.S. dollars as they've gotten their footing, uh, I think it will speed up Iraq's revaluation because what the U.S. wants will no longer be a uh, a concern for them. And the U.S. Well, and, and if if you're holding Iraqi dinar and they join the BRICS nations and the and anyone who is holding dinar now gets a piece of the BRICS and it goes to the moon, it could be it could be absolutely massive. I think a lot of people have been thinking about this in terms of the dinar revaluing um, it against dollars. But what if the dinar disappears and, and becomes the new BRICS gold back currency? You may have hit the home run without even figuring how it ultimately plays out. Because I do believe that when you issue a currency backed by commodities, it will attract demand from every corner of the globe. And it will... Yeah, that's right. It will. And it, it, it will be a really, really, really big deal. Uh, and what's interesting is that there's not a lot the West can do about this either. And so the Western manipulation, uh, I think, is beginning to lose its um, its its strength and, and really the ability to, to do this. So I don't know. I think that announcement, in my mind, strengthens the position of all of your listeners who have uh, accumulated um, uh, dinar. So certainly kudos to you for having the 
foresight to, to recommend that. And, um, you know, it's also important to note uh, one of the countries I mentioned in the BRICS plus Vietnam, uh, along with Sri Lanka and Pakistan, Southern Asia, mm-hmm. they are going to be expected to join BRICS as well. Well, what happens to all the people who have accumulated the, I think it's the dong, right? So you may be on to something in a way that maybe even all the people talking about this hadn't thought of, and that is it will be revaluated by moving into a new BRICS currency. And that in and of itself gives me incentive to go out and accumulate the dinar and the dong the way you've recommended to people, because I think it could be bigger than actually people think if we see this move. Um, in a world where the where the dollar do, dominates everything, I had less uh, I had less um, confidence that this would happen in in a in a orderly uh, and, and expedient manner. Um, I think the likelihood of it really turning into a windfall for your listeners grows by the day when we see these countries joining or expressing interest in joining the new BRICS union, because I do believe it will be the new dominant world reserve currency in our lifetimes, or at least we'll challenge the West for it. Don't know what the West reaction will be. If they issue a gold-backed digital currency, not sure how it will play out, but um, you can see that that we are moving in this direction, and I think it bolsters your argument to have these countries it's, joining the group. It's exactly what you're looking for. You're looking for commodity backed. You know that at some point you got to taste it, touch it, eat it. If you drop it and on your foot, it's got to hurt. I mean, you got to know you dropped something. It's got to be real, and that's totally worth playing. You look at Iraq; they've even announced how they're going to handle it. They're going to call it IDNR. It'll be a digital. And it will be backed by a set amount of gold. So you won't be able to create more. Their currency will be backed by a set amount of commodities, whether that's oil, gold, silver, precious metals. And then they are going to have physical cash, but it represents the digital, which is backed by the physical asset. And BRICS, BRICS has already said that's what they're doing. They want a common currency that is backed by commodities. It's exactly what you've been seeing coming. Um, it's just another part of that mechanism. It's fundamental. So we got some. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see it. You don't have to be an economist to see it. You can just, if you pay attention, you can see it. And when we talk about where it's all going, total silver inventories on COMEX fell yet again last week to 294.4 million ounces, down 3.7 million ounces for the week. Who the hell is buying 3.7 million ounces of silver when it leaves the ecosystem? When it leaves COMEX, this is yet another three-year low. In gold holdings fell again by uh, 200,000 ounces to 23.9 million ounces, again, a two-and-a-half-year low on gold inventories on COMEX, coupled with the Silver Institute's report that just came out that in 2022, silver total demand has surged by the largest amount in history by 16%. Over 2021 to 1.21 billion ounces, while total silver supply only grew by 2% to 1.017, resulting in nearly a 200 million ounce deficit. Um, That's the largest in in multi-decades. So you're seeing massive demand for gold and silver, and it's all moving away from the West. You're seeing in the third quarter of this year, 400 tons of gold were shipped out of the West, of which we talked about 
only 120 were verified. 280 of those tons, they don't know who bought it, but for, uh, the, the World Gold Council, Reuters, and Bloomberg surmise that it's China, Russia, India, South Africa, and and Saudi Arabia, the BRICS countries, the ones that are importing the gold from the Western exchanges. They are using the suppression of the West against them. And that's really, and, and don't take this the wrong way, because I'm a patriot, but that's the beauty of their logic. They're like, if you know, the old saying, if you can't beat them, join them. Or if you can't beat them, screw them in this case. And that's what they're doing. Instead of bitching about the suppression of metals, they're actually using it to their advantage. The nijitsu move, use the leverage of your opponent against you. And they are. And they are using that leverage to drain the system completely and totally dry to multi-decade lows, to all-time lows on the London Metals Exchange, where silver supplies are never been, have never been this low. Where's it all going? And I thought price was such a a reflection of demand. No, it's really not. It is a tool to misdirect everyone into realizing what is really happening. And it's a sophisticated world. It is a diabolical world. And it is a world that uses misdirection to throw you off. The The bull wants to take as few people along for the ride as possible and will buck you at every chance. You got to have strong fingertips. You got to hang on. You got to have conviction. You need to see what's happening. And it's happening. Uh, Yeah, I don't know why Canada sold all their gold. It's about as stupid as can be. The only thing that I could think of is that they have a a lot of gold in the ground in Canada. But even uh, then, they're going to have to nationalize it to be able to cover their bills. I mean, if you're, I don't know, man. Isn't that what we just said? They will do that. That's (laughs) to some degree, it will be every man or every country for himself, and uh, maybe you'll see a a North American uh, or or a Western. Union, where all of these countries uh, will will combine gold to a, a new Western digital currency. Not exactly sure, but it's interesting. As the West has sold all their gold, like Gordon Brown, uh, who used to run the uh, the, the uh, British uh, UK central bank, he sold all their gold in like 2002 when gold was 250 bucks an ounce. Literally, almost all of it at the worst possible time. So you're seeing. All of these countries, none of them are really buying gold or silver, um, and the West isn't, but all of the other mm-hmm. countries are. And um, it's interesting. And, and when you look at the European countries that have repatriated all of their gold, Germany, Austria, Poland, Hungary, Turkey, um, these are, are, are either... Eastern European countries that that are in the European Union but don't trade the euro, they trade their own currencies, or countries that have already said we are going to join the BRICS union, these countries are really not part of the, the, the West or the Western European groupings. All of these countries, I believe, are going to move away. And even the German, I believe the chancellor, went to visit Xi, to get him involved and in, in brokering a peace deal for the war in the Ukraine, because I think they realized that it was the West who blew up the pipeline and they're going to freeze their ass off all winter. So enough is enough. We need to start picking sides here. And the fact that Germany is going to China to broker deals and to set up arrangements tells me that, hey, maybe they're going to shock the world too and move that way. At some yeah. point, you have to realize that 
you know, it, it's about self-preservation. At uh, Germany, very much. Uh, so, their don't northern know how that Rhine. plays out, but I think that's a big deal. Oh, it is a big deal. And uh, a northern Rhine, anyways, uh, I want to say it's NRW. I'm trying to remember the exact acronym for it. But uh, they came out this week and, and claimed financial hardship, which is their step before bankruptcy for their political region and just said, hey, look, man, we can't afford it. You know, we're toast. Uh, people don't have enough energy. We can't supply the energy. We can nationalize this. We can put price controls, but we're toast. We're done. Germany supports the entire EU and they are quickly running away because people need to eat. They need to be able to keep the lights on. They need to keep the heat on just to survive. And you are watching just what you said was going to happen. You're watching it play out. You've got Germany now saying, hey, look, you guys need to go make peace and make it now. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And and at a certain point, you have to break ranks. And um, I think you're going to begin to see that. I really do. Um, and, and a lot more. So, you know, look, 148 countries have already signed up with the Belt Road Initiative. So all of these groups are beginning to increase in size and they're leaving the West. And, you know, together, these countries have stronger military, larger GDP, and we'll have a system based upon commodities with equal say at the table where all of these countries who are accumulating commodities or already produce them will pledge them to their new central bank digital currency. And, you know, if, if people aren't seeing this, it's hard to, um, to help them. Now, you had mentioned earlier about Iran and Iraq. They are currently in the final stages of work on the first railway connection between the two states in history. And it's called the Shalama Mechik Asra Rhine. And it can easily connect to can the 1,500-kilometer um, railway across Iraq. S-H-A-L-A-M-C-H-E-H. Try it one more time. S-H-A-L-A-M-C-H-E-H-Basra, B-A-S-R-A, rail line. And they could also stretch it all the way into Syria and Lebanon as part of the southern corridor of the Belt Road Initiative. So when you see Iran and Saudi Arabia also speeding up their efforts to rebuild diplomatic ties, a lot of people are saying that the rift that was saying that, that Iran was going to attack Saudi Arabia is, has Western origins, that it's, it's uh, fake news, that they're actually trying hard to uh, men fences, if you will, to unite against a bigger cause. Um, other other Gulf states who have cut ties uh, with Iran, such as the United Arab Emirates and Kuwait, have already started rekindling relations. So you're beginning to see these things start to happen. And I think what you're seeing is a greater Eurasian partnership that is trying to stabilize the role of, of these countries in the Middle East. And... Um, I don't think people in the West are getting it because the media is distorting reality. Um, and when you see a railway that China is building in between Iran and Iraq, hey, you know, it's the first time in history these two countries have something like that. That is the beginning of a of a new, maybe a whole new era in um, in relations and in kind of the move away from the West. I think it's happening. No, I think so, too. I've had they a confiscate the gold and silver off the people. Like they did yeah, in 19- let's answer some questions. Okay. 
Hey, a lot of people asking that question and a lot of people uh, wanting to know, you know, what's availability like you, for you right now? Like uh, they're looking at the Liberty uh, coins and $16, $17 for an ounce just in uh, spread, just some craziness. So they're interested in what's availability really looking like, not, you know, the fear porn we're reading about or is the fear porn ETFs. And of course, I've had a number of people post that question. Your thoughts on them confiscating like they did in the 1930s? I don't think they'll confiscate gold and silver like they did in the 1930s, like that picture behind me right there. That's the executive order there uh, and the picture of Roosevelt confiscating gold. I don't think they will because in 1933, everyone owned gold and silver. It was legal tender. Uh, everyone owned it, confiscating it. Um, Confiscating it, I think, would have um, now would create a financial backlash that uh, I don't think the West can afford to deal with at this point. Of these other countries like Russia, who just removed their VAT tax and has been telling their citizens to accumulate it, where China promotes it to their citizens, where the world is allowing everyone to accumulate gold. If the center of free trade and the and the world reserve currency still tries to activate eminent domain and take people's gold, it's game over. I think they'll take the ETFs instead, where GLD represents the third or fourth largest stockpile of gold and SLV, the largest <laughs> stockpile of silver in the world, administrated by J, uh, JP Morgan uh, and, and HSBC on GLD. They could take those two funds and have all the gold and silver they need without violating civil liberties or breaking any laws. Yep. I don't think they'll come after the real thing. I don't think it does yeah. them any good. The unintended consequences would be too severe. No, plus they're coming after the people that put them into office. It's the people that hold those fiscal medals that put them there. JP Morgan holds the fiscal medal. Now, what would be interesting is if they tried confiscating all the paper medals out there and then claiming that as an asset when they don't physically exist at all. That might be interesting for them to try yeah. to uh, you know, pass that off as uh, making any sense. You're right. And I think there's maybe that's the reason they created GLD and SLV in the first place. I mean, it's certainly the fact that you can make it short SLV and GLD when it's supposed to be a proxy where each share represents uh, an equivalent amount of gold and silver being held. In essence, by naked shorting, you're creating shares out of the clear blue yonder. Uh, and there is a there isn't the, the gold and silver backing it. The whole thing is kind of scammy, if you ask me. I think some of it is there because it has allowed the commercial banks to drain the back door, uh, out of the back door, drain gold and silver from these two funds. I don't think it's all there. In fact, during um, during the silver squeeze over the weekend in 2021, when there's the greatest demand ever into SLV, the uh, BlackRock changed the prospectus to say, well, we may issue more shares than there is silver behind it. So there's definitely a problem with the amount of metal that is supposed to be there. But I, I do think that it has certainly been used as a tool to help suppress the price. It has been used as a tool to keep people investing in paper rather than the real thing, especially financial advisories, um, hedge funds, um, mutual funds, all of those things. They all invest in GLD and SLD. Big mistake if you own it. I, I task you with reading pages six through nine or six through 12 titled risk factors in the prospectus. 
which basically will blow you away if you read it. Uh, there are things in those prospectuses, such as the custodian um, reserves the right to work with subcustodians, but does not reserve the right to um, inspect the premises of the subcustodians if the bars that the subcustodians issue do not meet London Good Delivery standards. The custodian is not responsible for that. They are not responsible for the errors and the omissions of the subcustodians. The 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 whole uh, the whole thing was set up to distance the custodian, that being J.P. Morgan and BlackRock, from the subcustodians who are holding much of the metal. It it it, it could be you know, lead bars painted gold and silver, and hey, they're off the hook according to the prospectus. But you're right. I think there probably isn't what is supposed to be in there, but it is certainly a tool that they use to suppress metal, to create rhetoric, to do all of the things that are enabling the biggest money in the world to siphon the shelves empty. Um, yeah. What, what is your most, uh, with your availability, what, what, what do you have like in inventory that you can get out pretty quickly if people are looking to purchase uh, any great specials right now? Anything we need to know on that front? That's interesting. Um, over Since Thanksgiving, the market has waned, even as price has gone up. And the demand in the industry for physical over the last few weeks has been much slower than I'm used to seeing. Um, maybe that has to do with the fact that um, – People for the very first time in three years nearly have been able to go visit relatives uh, without, you know, being in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, maybe it, it's just that, you know, people want to enjoy the holidays. I'm not sure. But what has enabled us to do is kind of get a little healthier, if you will, on um, on our inventory. So we have decent inventory right now. Maybe the best inventory we've had in quite some time Um maybe this whole year because just because of this little bit of a slowdown over the holidays, it enabled us to, to uh, get caught up on shipping and to accumulate more from the distributors with all the 2023 allocations coming out again. Don't take this the wrong way. I mean, things are still very, very, very tight and we'll like that can switch, but uh, we do have a decent inventory in stock right now, ready to ship immediately in both gold and silver um kilo bars 100 ounce bars i have uh britannias i have eagles they're too expensive i have maples they're pretty expensive um the bars the rounds they're gonna be your best value i do have eagles i do have junk silver i do have some sovereign coins we're running a special on numismatic gold coins right now like these which i haven't really sold in a very very long time uh but the prices are going to be better than anyone in the country uh, from circulated AU grade to MS64. This is typically the time of the year where we see decent inventory as the mints who have been creating the 2023s will release them. And um, with the holidays, it slows down a little bit. It's as good of a time to to find supply with decent availability as we've seen maybe in all of 2022. So I don't expect it to last. I don't see it as being anything substantive in terms of a sea change of, of uh, attitude, but uh, it is a good time. I think it's deeper. I mean, we saw even with this, um, and of course they try to convince us that, or they tried to cover the story after Black Friday was such a bust and say, oh, no, no, they all bought online. Well, online was up a little overall between the two, way down. People just 
turkey's expensive, lice expensive, they're afraid, so they're cutting back. So that's probably why it's just a, you know, when people are terrified, they're trying to hang on to some of their cash to cover their butts or to buy food, or they're worried about how they're going to heat the home. We're, we're starting to see just a absolute crash in demand, which, of course, the Fed's like, oh, this is a great thing. But that means that means everybody's hurting if there's no demand. Now's a great time to get your silver. Take advantage of the... Yeah, uh, I, I, again, it, it ebbs and flows. It is. It is, Mark. It really is. And, um, you know, I... Uh, I, I ultimately believe that my business will be hurt the most by by the public waking up to the, the lack of options of where to put their money and looking to gold and silver. The public in, in a day could drain everything from every dealer in America very, very, very quickly. The public largely is still asleep. To your question asking about Silver Eagles, I'm looking here right now. Uh, Silver Eagles, we can actually do here again at the best price I've seen in probably two years. And I still could throw up talking about the price. But, you know, you're talking if they're backdate Silver Eagles, 13 bucks or so over the price of silver. That's as low as it's been in a very, very, very long time. And that should be as good or better than anyone in the United States um, at $13 over. So, um they're still high, but coming down a little bit right now as the things that we've just talked about have slowed slowed the industry down a little bit. And, you know, typically, like back in the day before things got really crazy, um, I used to go play basketball in, um, you know, almost every day in December because it would be so slow. You'd work till noon, then go play pickup basketball at the gym. Um because that's what you would do during the holidays. Um, the whole month of December was typically very, very slow, where everyone is worried more about you know Christmas and New Year's and travel and family and eating and fun than sitting in front of a computer and, and dealing with, with metal. So um, I'm normally used to, we call it, um, you know, the holiday doldrums, so to speak, where, you know, you don't have to, pay as close of attention to what's going on during the holidays because people aren't, um, you know, so this is normal, but I don't see it as being anything really different because although I do have more supply, it, it's still the premiums aren't really coming down substantively and getting the product isn't becoming really any easier. We still have had to buy a lot of this stuff as long ago as six weeks ago, and we're starting to get our 2023 allocations in, but I had to pay for it, you know, six weeks ago, fully hedge it, pay for it up front and run logistics on it as it's now just coming in. When I buy bars from Switzerland, it used to be a week to 10 days. Now it's six to eight weeks. And um, so it's it's not getting any easier. This is kind of a kind of a lull, kind of a sweet spot. So, yeah, for people looking to buy product, not only is the prices as good as I've seen in terms of premium all year, um, but the availability is as well. A lot of this stuff is uh, ready for immediate delivery. Uh, so is the site up and running? We are doing a soft launch with my office maybe tomorrow. We're right there. And um, the last piece of the puzzle that's taken the longest is the affiliate software for people like you, Mark. But we're right there. I basically told the developers I don't want it released until it's ready because we've had so many um, – 
hiccups and uh, missteps with this. And we've had to choose three different developers over over the past year and a half to finally get to where we are right now. It, it, it's been an awful experience, to be honest with you, but we're this close. So promise for all of you out there, it's coming. It looks great. Um, it will be up very, very, very soon. The soft launch for my office will be for all of us to go through and make fake purchases and do things to see how it all works, to make sure the back end is working, to make sure all the links work and we're this close. That's awesome. All right. Just notice the time, Andy, we have gone very long, very enjoyable, very informative, but we, uh, let's see, do I need an account to order online? Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that process is going to work. You will, when you order online, it will, when that system is set up, it will prompt you through um, the account setup form. At this point, when you purchase with us, we set it up when we talk on the online system. Yes, you will have to set something up in terms of an account and, uh, uh, and you'll be able to access your account, see your order history, all of those things that you'll want, you will be able to do online. No, I'm with you. Rich just saying the price explosion's coming. Can't you feel it? Question mark. Uh, Rich, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know it's there. We can all feel it. We know something is uh, right on. We're just waiting for that shoe to drop. All right, guys, let's wrap this one up. Andy, thank you so very much. Hopefully we can have you back again next Thursday. I look forward to it. I'll be there and uh, appreciate you very much, brother. I really do, Mark. All of your listeners out there, I wish you all a great a day, a great weekend. Um, I'm here if you need me, either you, Mark, or anyone else out there. So thanks for the trust, and uh, we'll never let you down. So uh, you, you take care and look forward to seeing you in a week. All right. Take care, everybody.